We're on air. <laughs> oh, snap. Okay, what's going on, y'all? Uh, we are here for In the Huddle. We got my man, Dr. Eric Eager. We got wide receiver one, Miles Gorham. We are going to talk about the Vikings this season, where it all went wrong, and really whatever else we feel like talking about tonight. We got an agenda. We might stick to it. We'll probably be taking your questions. We're very excited. Dave is switching the scene, but that's it. Dave, hit the rolling. Let's do this thing. Welcome to Climbing the Pocket Network's In the Huddle, where your favorite Climbing the Pocket personalities get together and talk all things Minnesota Vikings. What's up, y'all? We are back. It is In the Huddle. Miles turning up. Eric's here. Man, I, I should have worn like my my work hoodie. Looks like everyone's wearing their work stuff today. But we about to jump right into it and uh, and talk about these Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Eric, my man, it's been a little while. How you doing? How you been? I just thought of uh, I'm good. I actually spent like three days in Minnesota over like the week after Christmas. I I, I didn't realize it was going to be like four degrees below zero the whole time. Uh, I went outside once. I went to that restaurant with my wife that I went to with Miles the last time I was home. So I, I was thinking of Miles. Uh, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it. The season's coming to a close. Um, I, I think we were robbed a little bit of what could have been a great game Sunday night. I think if Cousins plays, the Vikings probably give put a decent effort out there. Um, but as such, we, we have one more game. I, I do think the outcome of this season, though, I think we're going to have a fun offseason of talking about this team. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities to, you know, it, it's hard when when things are, you know, against what you think they should be, right? It's sort of hard to root um, for them. But I think I have confidence that they're going to probably – put together a plan that we can all be excited about and we can all get behind. So uh, I, that, that's what I'm choosing to, to, to sort of view uh, the next few months as. I love it. Look at this optimistic, Eric. We're off to a great start in 2022. Oh. Miles, what's cracking, man? How you doing? What up? You know, um, I'm, I'm going. Didn't, didn't know Eric came to Minnesota, but um, hope you had a good time. Hope you had, had some good cheese curds <laughs> and, and some good food with the wife. Um, we had a good we had a good time at that spot, um, but no, um, things are going good. Love it, man! And as we get jump in, shout out to Mary, Jerome, Raymond. Uh, who else we got in here? We got a uh, G Mac, G Mac, and we're about to get this thing going. And uh, and to all our friends over on uh, on Facebook who have yet to comment, throw one up in there so we can see who's in here hanging out with us today. And uh, yeah, we're going to jump in because, like, we got some things to talk about. And when Eric's here, it's always a good time just to, like, you know, sometimes just wind him up and, and let him go. And then Miles and I can just jump in and ask questions about about things as we go along here. Um, the first thing, Zimmer, over the last couple of days, Eric has just been – he's been he's been getting me a bit riled up about things. First, throwing Kellen Mond under the bus. Um, and then – basically in the next uh, in, the, in the next press conference saying that, like, he wants to play all the starters in this game against the Bears – and so the first question that I have for uh, for Eric and then, like, you know, we can just jump right into Miles and get your thoughts on it right after is really how should the Vikings approach things now that the season is effectively over? We have this game. Yes, the Bears are division rival. Yes, it'd be nice to beat the Bears home, all that good stuff. But, like, if the Vikings are being 
um, strategic or thinking about this and what is in the best interest of the team as we roll things forward. How should we be thinking about this upcoming matchup with the Bears as we wrap things up um, for this for the season? Who wants to go? Either of you. Miles, Eric. Yeah, I, I, I know. Think, I, think, I think the biggest – Go ahead. The thing that has tilted me so much about the way that Zimmer's acted is the, it didn't have to be this way, right? Like, I think when we were all talking in, in, the, in, the, in the fall camp and stuff, like, Zimmer was coming off as sort of the, the, of the big three that matter the most for the Vikings, Zimmer, Cousins, and, and Spielman. Zimmer was coming off as sort of like the, the most reasonable of the bunch, right? He was, you know, he was talking about the vaccine. He was talking about, you know, he was saying things that were rational. He said, look, we don't have great depth. Um, we're going to have to, you know, he was, ta- he was telling the truth, right? And I think like over time, like that shtick didn't work, right? Like for whatever reason, when they lost games, you know, it, it became probably pretty apparent to him that he was going to be the one to fall on the sword first. And ever since then, he's been kind of a, like, kind of a prick. And he and he has not done, like, what I would consider the right thing. And I think the Kellen Mond thing, everybody's going to feel like that's trivial. And, you know, it certainly is to an extent. But it, it shows an organizational failure and the reason why I think all three men have to go. Because... If if Spielman drafted Mon and he wasn't worthy of this selection, then that's obviously on him, and it adds to the list of reasons why he might not be the guy. If Zimmer and his coaching staff have have spent zero time developing Mon or or sort of thinking about the future, then that's another reason he's got to go right because Kellen Mond was supposed to be this sort of backup plan. For two reasons. One of the reasons is so you don't end up with a guy like Sean Mannion starting a game that your quarterback gets COVID in, right? Like you look around the league and like there are plenty of backup quarterbacks that these teams are proud of. And I think reasonably so, right? Like Jacoby Brissett's a backup that I think Miami's proud of. Um, You know, I think about like Kansas City's proud of Chad. Like there are plenty of like good backups in this league. And unless you actually go develop one, you're not going to have one. And like, just like, you know, coming up for air in week 17 and being like, oh yeah, Kellen hasn't really developed. It's like, that's a you problem, right? That's a, that's a symptom of not actually worrying about anything other than winning the next game in front of your face, which has been how this team has acted for three years now. And and so not having depth and all that stuff, like that's another part of the issue of cousins, right? Like he, they can't sign anybody because he's too expensive. So like, that was to me a tipping point where, I was tilted more by how he treated Mon, you know, in front of people. I was tilted because of what Mon represented as far as, you know, the their orientation towards winning and not winning. And I was tilted a little bit because, you know, just because of, you know, people's reaction to it still carrying water for this team that hasn't given them a reason to for, for two years now. It's been longer than two, I guess. Yeah, Miles, what about you? Like, what are, what, are, what are your thoughts on, like, how this team should should approach things and just kind of what you're seeing coming out of, you know, what was obviously a super disappointing performance versus Green Bay? Yeah, I mean, I think because with the Kirk Cousins situation, we expected that outcome on Sunday. Like, I, I don't think anybody's surprised by the outcome. I think people might still have a little bit of, like, a disappointment, but I don't think anybody's, like, truly surprised by what happened. So – 
I think that made the blow easier, even if it, even if it is Green Bay. I think I think fans get kind of giving kind of getting a like finite or a, a final solution or final situation. Like they don't have we don't have to go into Week 18 now, like biting our nails. Can the Vikings win to potentially make the playoffs? I think once Kirk went out, I think fans kind of just brushed it off and was like, "All right, it's it's finally done. We don't have to like." continue to bite our nails every week and, and deal with this bullshit because that's kind of what it's been all, all season and um, some good, some bad. Right. And so to Eric's point, this is my, this has been my, it, one of my issues with Zim since he's been in Minnesota, when things don't go his way, he becomes a prick. He becomes an asshole. He be, he starts poking and taking jabs that are unnecessary. And Kellen Mond might've been a, a by proxy of that unnecessary jab, Zimmer getting asked at the wrong time about Kellen Mond, but I'm all for Zim being honest, but you don't need to, I'm not, I'm not saying he essentially like trashed Kellen Mond, but he did not have to take that approach with the question about Kellen Mond the way he did. But he, so that's been some of my issues with Zimmer is it's, it's not him not telling the truth. I'm all for coaches telling the truth, but there's a way to go about telling the truth without trashing your player to the media. So I, that's where I wasn't a big fan of it. It is what it is. Like life will move on. It's, but that's just one of those things for me with, with Zim. He becomes an asshole when things don't go his way. And we always talk about maturity from players to like grow up and to like handle things better. And I view that same thing with Zimmer. Like, I don't think he always takes, he doesn't have to always take the high road, but I don't think he takes, he ta- he definitely takes the, the low road and you can see it on his face. You can see it on his comments. And so sometimes Patrick Peterson I, I sounded like the head coach. I don't know if you saw Pat yeah. Pete's uh, press. Yeah. He sounded like the head coach, the way that he was in there and talking about things and like the future of the team and the yeah. soul searching that they need to do. And all of those, he sounded like the, the person that was leading the full leading franchise. The he sounded like you yeah. would expect your leader to sound. And Zim sounded a bit like yeah. a petulant child who was like, yeah, just kind of having a tantrum because things didn't right. go his way. And like, yeah, to be fair, he probably knows, like Eric said, that like it's not going to go well for him here in the next little bit if he doesn't already know that he's not going right. to be back. So like, there's an emotional component to it, but like that's the job. You got to go in there. You got to be a professional. And like, if you're gonna be a leader, you can't just go and like trash the people that like you're supposed to be leading because you had a bad day at the office. Like that's that's not what it's right. all about. But um, the next thing I guess that, that people have turned to now that we know that like obviously this experiment has been a failure. And I want to say that this experiment of the last four years, especially has been a failure. And I don't want like us to try and change history in defense of any of these three main characters in this story. The Vikings went to the NFC championship game. They went and got a quarterback. And when they got that quarterback, they sold that quarterback as the missing piece to get the franchise to a Super Bowl. That is what we were all told as fans, right? Since then, we've barely made the playoffs. We've barely had a winning record since then. And so the revisionist history, this is not a place we're going to be doing any of that. But what we can get into now is like, you know, people want to do the pie charts of blame and all that. There is a conversation. I know that many of us. Real real quick, real quick, Jason. Blame everyone. Like it's okay yeah. to let like yeah. blame everybody in this scenario. It doesn't have to be a Rick Zim. Like Either everybody's or. at fault. Yeah. Yep. 
So one of the things yeah, we're I, seeing a lot now is that uh, people seem to think that the Wilfs probably aren't going to go full clean slate. And so a lot of the conversation now is like, who stays and why should they stay? Um, like if any of them stay, who should stay? And I guess, Eric, that's a, that's a, that's a point I wanted to get your perspective on. Like of the players involved in this, like what is more difficult to replace? Like, is it more difficult to replace a Zim in terms of what he brings from a coaching perspective, Rick in terms of like what he does in the draft and, you know, finding surplus value and that sort of thing. And then like a quarterback who, I mean, admittedly, people tend to forget that you had ranked, I think eight, maybe in preseason before the season started, you said that Kirk was a top 10 quarterback, top eight quarterback, which are one of those things is more difficult for the team to replace as we start to look into the future of this team and what we should be doing next. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you read, I was Caitlin Kaler from the athletic wrote a really nice piece about, you know, sort of the nepotism uh, that, that the Vikings, you know, were facing and, and, you know, one of the, the reasons for that nepotism was the fact that Zimmer doesn't really have like a good reputation around the league as much anymore. Like, you know, Zimmer, I think that the, the thing about a lot of this is we have to realize that these things aren't stationary. Zimmer, you know, it, it might be the same human being that took the Vikings to three good seasons out of four in his first four seasons, three seasons where they went over their Vegas win total and two playoff appearances in AFC title game, Seattle on the ropes in the playoffs in year two. But like that has gone away, right? And the reason why, you know, Adam Zimmer is a defensive you know, as a defensive play caller in some ways, and, and Clint Kubiak's the offensive play caller, offensive coordinator, it, it is because it's not necessarily easy to get somebody to work for Zimmer anymore. I, I think that getting, I think that Zimmer is probably the easiest of them to replace, and that's what he's probably viewing this as. Uh, the other thing to, to sort of think about in this regard too is what kind of legacy does he want to leave? Like, you know, Leslie Frazier, you know, I was a, a fantastic human. He had one good season as the Vikings coach, a couple that weren't quite as good. But when he left, like, there isn't a person who talks badly about less, you know, basically throughout the history of the Vikings, right? So does Zimmer want to be that person? Probably not. And, like, look at the career that Les Frazier's had since he left Minnesota. It's a lot better. Like, I just don't really think Zimmer is even smart based upon, like, how he's, you know, acted in a situation where, you know, sort of the season – uh, you know, sort of went out of went out of whack. I think the second easiest guy to replace, and you know, my colleague Timo Risky writes right wrote about this a couple, I think, a year ago or so. It is Spielman. You know, Spielman's been basically an average drafter or worse for the last you know four or five years. Uh, you take away 2016, you take away 2015. Actually, 2015 is more the, the bigger case study. You know, it hasn't been great for him. And Justin Jefferson's really like sort of keeping that ledger in the positive range. Um, but for the most part, you know, it's not it's not pretty. And, and, and you know, uh, Vikings fans sort of have to realize that. And then I think third is Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins will be the hardest to replace, um, but it's necessary to replace him. Right. I mean, th- this is a situation. And, I, you know, I think we've we've all you know gotten to this point, like, you know. The the answer to the answer to like what's the easiest way out of this is there isn't an easy way out of this. Like it, it take it took you a long time to get to this place, and, and so it'll take you a long time to get out. I actually, you know, I know it would, would pain us a little bit, but I actually don't necessarily hate the idea of going with a new head coach, a new uh, you know, a new GM, 
and just playing the cousin season through and letting him go and get a comp pick. Like I, you know, that, that would be, you know, not necessarily the greatest if they couldn't get a trade partner, but um, you know, it'd be preferable to extending him in my opinion. So miles, I, I see some, 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 some passionate disagreement on your face. <laughs> what, what, what are you thinking about what Eric just said? Not just the last part, but all of it, like in terms of, yeah, who can go, what the order is, and then, like, obviously that last part about Cousins playing out the string on the full cap hit that you don't love. Talk to us, man. I, so Eric's got more of the data to back up, like, <laughs> his the, the opinions and some of the facts. So I, I'm not going to try to argue the facts. But in my opinion, I believe the hardest to move on move on from, from like, a stability standpoint is Rick. Because I think the people making the core decisions about the ops – the football operations in themselves, finding those new people would be harder to to like replace because I think there's a there's less amount of that talent around the league to replace it with. So I think that to me is a harder a harder position to replace. Uh, not that they can't, not that they shouldn't. Um, and then to me, I think it'd be then it goes Kirk, then I think Zim's the overall easiest to replace. And I say easiest to replace as in like Zimmer's done good things over eight years. I, I don't I, I don't continue to understand the like idea that he's an irreplaceable coach in the fact that all people seem to care about with him is his defense. If all they care about is defense, well then ask him to come back as a defensive coordinator. If like that's all they want to focus on and what he does, then ask him to be a defensive coordinator, right? I know that that's not ever gonna happen, but like that's more of how I feel about it. Like if he isn't if the only thing we care about with Mike Zimmer is defense, then why is he the head coach? Like I want a head coach. Well, and why is his defense ass? Every like. Well, and his why is his defense terrible? As good, right? Like, and and that's that just goes back to the there. Like you you, ever since 2016, ever since Teddy Bridgewater got hurt, you could see the disconnect from Rick Rick and Mike Zimmer. Like the disconnect just started to spread and spread and spread and spread, and we finally got into this stage. Obviously, I think the 2018 signing of Kirk Cousins was like the final nail in the head where Zim kind of saw the writing on the wall because they had a completely different philosophy on, on how to build a roster and, and how to do those things. And then they signed Kirk cousins and it completely changed everything, their philosophy, how they'd go about things. Zimmer continued to get pieces to his defense. It kind of lessened. And Jason, I saw you say this on Twitter earlier. It's not just about like replacing Kirk cousins. It's the idea that, you can use the subsequent opportunities to like build out an entire roster around players, not and like depth wise and and all those things. I think you said it way better than I just did, but right, like it's it's definitely not just about um, like one player. But if that one player takes up so much money, like we've talked about this ad nauseum, right? Like we all know that situation, but that's why I feel like because of Mike Zimmer's situation and his focus on needing to be defense. I just think that we, we need to get to a point where Zim needs to go be, be a defensive coordinator or go to another team that just needs a full, full, tilt, full tilt rebuild, like a Jacksonville Jaguars, like a Houston. I don't think Houston's going to fire Cully, but like a team like that, like one of those teams that just desperately needs to rebuild its entire franchise. Mike Zimmer can be that stabilizing force like he did in Minnesota because he, he knows how to build from the ground up from the, just give me the bare minimum on offense, but at least let me build up my defense. And I think you're going to find a decent football team. Like, and early on in those expectations, that's fine. And I think Zim started to out 
pace some of those expectations because of, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, his, that 2015 draft, all those things, right? But one question I had for you guys is, uh, this is something I was just thinking about as we were talking. You know how coaches have been in the league, head coaches have been in the league eight, well, Zimmer, you know, Zimmer's eight years, but like most coaches, you know, a decade, they start building their own like, um, their like branch of, of coaches, like coaching tree. I want, I would love to know like who you guys view as like Zimmer disciples from like a Zim coaching tree. Like is Kevin Stefanski maybe sit in that realm a little bit, but other than Stefanski, no. I don't know. I don't know Gunther? if I can like, who, <laughs> right. Like Paul Gunther, yeah, I mean, like, who really, who really become like, and real quick, a two part question. Like what would you consider Mike Zimmer's like coaching tree? And then the second part of that is, if Zimmer were to go get a head coaching job elsewhere, who's going with him? Like currently, well, no, I, I, like, that, I think that's that, a great. That's, I mean, yeah. you look at all the offensive coordinators they've had. Every single one has been a guy who either, you know, who had more success away from, uh, you know, Zimmer, right? Like, so they had Norv. Norv was a head coach and a Super Bowl offense coordinator before he came here. Uh, Shermer was a head coach before he came to Minnesota, office coordinator before then. Um, you know, Stefanski was on Brad Childress' staff before he was on Les's staff and before he was on Zim's staff. Uh, Kubiak was a Super Bowl winning head coach. Like, he hasn't developed anybody. Jerry Gray might be the good example, and he goes to Green Bay, and he's been pretty damn good with them. Um, Andre Patterson, somebody who you know, came before I, Andre Patterson was before Zim. Am I, if I'm not mistaken, but even then, like, you know, again, like no one's, no one wants so. to hire Andre Patterson to be a D coordinator or a head coach either. So it, it, it really is a great question. And who goes with him? I think it's a Brian Kelly type situation where everybody sort of stays or leaves and goes somewhere else. I'm taking a look. No, it looks like uh, Andre only Patterson thing, did come yeah. with Zim. He was at UTEP yeah, he beforehand. Was at FIU. So, FIU. Yeah, so UTEP. so maybe maybe uh maybe maybe Andre Patterson, but it doesn't like yeah, and I think that speaks to some of the leadership that we're talking about is that um your part of leadership is developing people, having them grow in their roles. And that's something again Miles has also talked about, is that, you know, with an Andre Patterson as an example, it's something that came up in that article about nepotism and Zim as well, is that like people seem to be kind of suppressed in their career growth growth with the Vikings. Jerry Gray being another example of someone who was doing great work with the Vikings, who didn't seem to be able to get the upward career mobility that you would hope to see for someone who'd been around for a long time and doing well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's another interesting challenge that uh, maybe speaks to the fact that like some of why Zim is so emotional about all this is that he maybe knows that this was his one shot. Because I think before he came, he'd interviewed for head coaching jobs for quite some time and wasn't able to get them. The Vikings were one of the few teams to take a shot on um, on him. And uh, yeah, this this might have been might have been a shot, might have been his chance. And uh, what was it? Quarter Mike said it in the comments, and so I, I I kind of agree with this. So I will say I'm biased. But Eric, uh, Quarter Mike says that um, it was a slow burn, but the team died the day they traded for Sam Bradford. And uh, I mean. I, my bias leans that way, but Eric, I want to know if 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 we're completely off base with that thought. Yeah, I think um, you know. To me, I the, the Bradford thing was tough, right? Because you know, a lot of these teams you could sort of trace back 
their fall to desperation, right? And you know, I think nothing, I mean, think about how all, we all thought, you know, prior to the 16th season, Teddy just had that game, you know, where he, you know, saw somebody, um, you know, sort of against the Chargers in, in uh, U.S. Bank Stadium, first ever game, right? We had all this, like, you know, this these great things. And then Teddy tears his knee up, and we watched that, I think it was a, a preseason game against the Rams, which is basically like a wake. And everybody hit the panic button and said, hey, this season can't turn into this. They go for Bradford. And ultimately, like, that hurt because they got a little bit of a taste of what stability at the position was like, right? And stability at the position, um, you know, felt good. And, and then Keenum sort of gave them kind of the opposite in play style. So then they went with with Kirk Cousins and – yeah, I do agree with you. I think it. I think it took a little bit of a turn there. Um, so anyway, like, yeah, it, it's tough. I, I, you know, I. It does go back to that, and and that that's I think what what the tragedy is is like it wasn't something that they actually caused, right? It was it was noise. And sometimes you know when when you think about going back to regimes and stuff, it, it's sort of how the team responds to things they can't control, and, and the Vikings responded to things they can't control with desperation. So, Eric, there's someone, uh, he's a fan of the show, one of uh, the members of our community, very active. We appreciate appreciate uh, because, you know, all of our posts, he's commenting, he's very active, he joins the conversation, and feels like you have some accounting to do for how you have talked about Kellen Mond. I'm not sure if it's maybe because of your mock draft in which you had the Minnesota Vikings selecting Malik Willis. But um, C-Wise would like to know if he needs to put you on his list of people who are Kellen Mond <laughs> doubters because he believes that Kellen Mond is going to prove those people wrong. And so while you're here on the show, I would like to give you an opportunity to let us know what your thoughts are, what your evaluation is of Kellen Mond and how you see his prospects or project him moving forward. Should he be given an opportunity to maybe be developed and play in this league. I I think that the Vikings should not put all their eggs in the Kellen Mond basket, but I am in no way a Kellen Mond doubter. How's that? There we go. Like I, I'm that's of, what it is. I'm of the belief. I'm of the belief. Like take Jalen Hurts, right? Like did the Eagles draft Jalen Hurts because they didn't believe in Carson Wentz, or did they draft Jalen Hurts because they knew Carson Wentz wasn't a sure thing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and Jalen Hurts, and by the way, Jalen Hurts is the example, everybody. Jalen Hurts, when everybody comes at people and say, oh, what are you going to do at the position? Oh, you need to get somebody as good as Kirk. I don't know, man. I look at that Eagles roster compared to the Vikings roster, and it's not all that different, folks. But you know what the Eagles have? The Eagles have freedom. The Eagles have The Eagles have the freedom to go out and pick somebody up and help their offensive line. They have the freedom to go out and get – who do they get in the secondary? Last year's Darius Slay, right? Uh, who's that guy? Uh, who's the uh, Anthony the Harris? Maddox? Anthony Harris, uh, and then they got Steven Nelson from the Chiefs and, and Pittsburgh. Yeah, like, hey, it's not impossible to build a roster. And look, and they're not staring down the barrel next year, wondering well, they have three first round picks. And they were, they had awful cap situation. They had an actually the, the this is the one impressive thing about the Eagles, Eric is. That last offseason, they were in a shitty situation cap wise. They had, they didn't have the, and they turned that into future cap space. They turned it into a first round pick. And to your point, that 
quote-unquote tank that they did at the end of, of last season got them another future first-round pick. That one, like that one game, deciding to let that game lose so that they could get a better draft pick, that netted them everything else that they have to, to make their future brighter. And they were willing to let this season be a down year to afford the future. And it so happened to work out for them that they're now in the playoffs. Sorry to cut you off, but like, I, I just don't yeah, think they're getting enough credit for a roster that's not even that good. No, and and I don't think any of us are sitting here and saying Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. If if you gave us no. both of them at the same price, we'd all prefer Kirk Cousins. But the fact of the matter is, and like, look, I'm not going to cast any any judgment on Kirk, but Kirk is not playing for like all of you people who think Kirk is playing for less next year. Like, grow up, Peter Pan. Like, the, he the guy is a the guy is a mercenary, and you can. You can say you know whatever you want to say, but the guy does not pay for less. So you know the the rules of football. This is how the rules of football work. If you draft a quarterback, you know you can get you can move on from him. You you can start him. You can play him. You can build a team around him, and you don't have to go back to the table. That that was that's always the the issue too. And when, when you think about why the Patriots cut Cam Newton and kept Mac Jones. Because part of the reason is, if Mac Jones, if Cam Newton had the same exact year as Mac Jones this year, and I don't think that's that, that far fetched, Mac, Cam Newton can go right back to the table and say, hey guys, I want $30 million, right? Mac Jones can't go to the table for a new contract until year after year three. So, like when Pat Mahomes blows up and throws 50 touchdowns for the Chiefs, the Chiefs still get the guy on cost control for another year. By the way, they won the Super Bowl that year. And like that, that's how it works. Kirk Cousins it, it has you by the balls and he's not letting go, right? And so you either have to let that thing go or you have to, or you have to deal with the stuff. And we've already dealt with it. He had a pretty damn good year in 2019 and the Vikings extended him. And he's got the team by the balls again. And the next extension, you think he's going to give the Vikings a break again? No. Like So th- that's the issue here. And that's what Kellen Mond represents. Kellen Mond re- represents a guy who might end up being good. But if he's not, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay if he's not that good, right? Because then you can go back. Look, the the, the Arizona Cardinals traded up in the draft and took Josh Rosen at pick 10. And he was absolute dog shit and they went back and they got kyler murray the very next year failure is cheap and 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 they got a second round pick for josh rosen thank you failure is cheap and and this is the biggest thing for vikings fans too and and i and i need to harp on this because the the biggest reason this fan base is fractured is because here's the other thing failure is unambiguous when it's a rookie quarterback we all agree that Christian Ponder failed. We all agree. And you know what? They moved on from him two years like after he took him to the playoffs and they got Teddy. The the the, the <laughs> Kirk Cousins contract is a failure. And half the people can't yeah. even can't even recognize it because it's not wrapped in this super easy bow that is a rookie quarterback. Right? And that's what makes this whole thing tough. And that's what makes this whole thing stupid because it, it just it makes it makes paralysis by overanalysis. It makes you know four years in and they've made the playoffs one time, and they were the sixth seed. 
And they've made yeah. – and since then, they added another seed to the playoffs, and they still can't make the playoffs. And to the point about the Kirk Cousins contract, I like if Kirk Cousins was making what he makes on a five-year extension, six-year extension, you wouldn't hear me bitch about his contract. You know why? Because it adds protection and flexibility for the team so that they can go out and restructure his deal so that they can like – the, like the Chiefs did this year where you can literally go out and use that money and spend it to help fix the roster and – it doesn't kill you because then you still have more years to spread it out over. Like when you do two year extensions, you can't touch the highest paid player on your team's money at all. And so when you can't touch a guy that makes $35 million a year and next year, the cap hits going to be 45. When you can't touch those contracts, then you have to start touching the little, the smaller contracts. We have to start touching more of those smaller contracts. And then that just adds more cap shittiness down the road, like it's just a microcosm of a fuckery. Like, like when you can't when you can't help yourself with the most important player and person on your team. Sorry, Eric. I know your kids are back there, so I apologize. Like when you <laughs> can't, awesome. like when you can't do anything with the most important player on your team, and they're making that much money. All you do is put yourself in a harder situation. That makes everybody's job harder. Kirk makes his job harder. Zim's job's harder. Rick's job's harder. So, like, I'm all for players doing and taking as much money as they want to. So, if that's what Kirk Cousins wants to continue to do, great. Let him do it, but let somebody else do that. Let somebody else be that problem again because the Vikings don't need to continue down that problem because then we're just going to be back in this same – like, they might make the playoffs next year because they restructured – they extended Kirk and they saved $10 million, $12 million. And so then – they might sign a couple guys, yes. and maybe they make the playoffs. We, we, we get some more run-stuffing defensive tackles, right? Like so maybe, they can maybe be the worst run defense in the league. I, yes, like yeah. maybe it solves. Maybe it's a, it's just a short-term solve. But like we'll be right back in the same situation in twenty twenty-three. Like that. Like that is the situation that the Vikings keep putting themselves into. So if they continue, if they want to continue down this road, if the Wolves want to continue down this road, and he and they're getting told this is the best approach. They need to fire who the fuck's telling them that because it is not the right solution. Well, it is. It is. It is for them because they're trying to keep their job. And and like I'm sorry, but this is yeah, yeah. People people pretend that this fan base has no influence. They're like when people will mock the idea that the fan base's orientation has no influence over what the team does, and I think that's mostly true. But, like, the Minnesota fan base, this is Minnesota. This isn't New York. This isn't, like, L.A., Chicago. The fact that this fan base continually comes back, the fact that this, you know, media market, for the most part, I know you guys, I mean, obviously you guys are great, um, you know, Matt, and, you know, a lot of, there are people that hold this team accountable. But, like, the fact that this this media market is perfectly fine with mediocrity is a problem, right? Like, and and I think that that's a big issue, and you know, and and I think Zimmer and Spielman do make decisions that feed into that, right? And and that that is something that, you know, that's why they have to go because unless they go, there's there's not going to be like no one's going to be able to tell Rick Spielman like, hey, it's time to think long term, it's time to think about the future here. He's going to continue to do stuff like trade a fourth round pick for Chris Herndon because his feet are always going to be over the coals. Mm-hmm. So, Eric, uh, I know that you have a, a, another pod to get to, 
another show that you got to do because this is your busy day. So thanks for coming on and making time. Uh, so I got another question for you. And Linda, to the ponder, would have really sucked if you didn't have Adrian Peterson. I view us as being in another version of the Adrian Peterson years right now because Adrian was just good enough to keep us from getting a top-level pick over and over and over again. We were just like, you know, we were mediocre then, just got there in a different way. Cousins, in a different way, is just good enough to keep us from really, really sucking, but also not good enough to, like, have us consistently be great, go to the playoffs, do any of those things. But that's an aside. Eric, one of the things that a lot of people want to know is, well, what are we going to do if, if we move on from Kirk Cousins? Like, what are we going to do? We need, like, what's the solution? Everyone's pointing out the problems. And so I guess my last question to you is, if it's up to you, how do we fix it? What do you do? How do you turn this thing around? People hate the idea of a, of a rebuild or tanking or any of those words. People hate them. So tell me how it is that you go about fixing the Vikings, turning it around, getting them back to being a contending team. Yeah, I, you know, it's not easy. And, and, I, and I don't purport to, um, you know, to, to say it is. But I think, you know, they, they're going to have a top, you know, let's say 12 pick this year. They're, they have Kellen Mon on the roster. They have the freedom to choose an offensive coordinator and or a head coach who's, who's an offensive mind. They have the, the choice to do all those things and be untethered, right? So to me, I think it comes down to you need to have a coach who's committed to developing quarterbacks. You have to have ownership that is willing to allow – a head coach and a and a general manager the ability to fail at the position. To me, I think the biggest reason the Cardinals are eleven and five right now is that Bidwell gave Kine the opportunity to cut bait on a bad pick, right? And and it all happened like no one's sitting here and getting after Rick for having bad picks. Like that happens. Like Brett Veach has bad picks. Chris Ballard has bad picks. Uh, Bill Belichick has bad picks. It's you have to be able to be nimble and move on. And so, you know, ownership has to give the general manager the leeway to, to make good bets at the position. The head coach has to be somebody who is willing to develop at the position. And that's where the Kellen Mond thing tilts me so much because Zimmer unwilling, you know, you, you get an offensive coordinator in the mix who is not good enough to develop a quarterback on the side while he's trying to run an NFL offense. That's a fireable offense. So you get that squared away, and you look at this draft, and look, like they don't have to take Malik Willis. I like him a lot. I think he did – you know, I was never that impressed. Like, I always would bet against Liberty for a number of reasons, but, like, I always came up for air and was like, oh, yeah, Malik Willis actually did a lot, to, even though his team kind of sucked. And – like, I like him. I like Matt Corral. I know he got injured in the bowl game. You know, I like Kenny Pickett. Like, any one of those guys could be fine. You also have a guy like Carson Strong in round two if you want to. And you're going to have a bevy of quarterbacks who are going to be available at relatively low rates, like Gardner Minshew. You're going to have guys like that who can build a bridge if you want it. You don't have to, right? You can go out there. And like this roster is going to take more than a year to to put into good into put into good standing, right? The fact of the matter is, Kirk Cousins is elevating a bad roster to some degree. He's just not capable of elevating it the way a truly elite quarterback is, right? So all the people that say, "Oh, if you take Cousins off this roster, they're terrible," I agree. 
but the point is you're terrible because of Kirk Cousins. <laughs> like that, it, it, it's it's a yes and situation. So the, to answer like the question of okay, what are they going to do? Like you just got to throw numbers at the position, and the numbers include Kellen Mond, and the numbers include and let yourself using, take a step back. Yeah, and let and look, look, guys. The Cincinnati Bengals, I'm right here, backyard. I've been to four Bengals games this year. I just saw Joe Burrow take down Patrick Mahomes, okay? Two years ago, that team was 2-14 and 14 with Andy Dalton as their quarterback. And people, Uber drivers around here were like, well, I don't really know if we want to move on. I mean, it's, it's going to be okay, right? There's <laughs> only one Detroit Lions, and it's not you, okay? Well, it's going to be right, okay. Right. And, and, like, now, look, and now – Joe Burrow and the they got Joe Burrow on a rookie deal, Jamar Chase on a rookie deal, um, T. Higgins on a rookie deal. That team's got the league by the balls, and, and and like they they got money for days to spend. Like, give yourself that chance. Give yourself that chance. Give yourself that window. And 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 and, and if it doesn't work, go back in. Failure's cheap. Well, and that's the that's the it. thing right there, Eric is. The Vikings, there's no reason the Vikings shouldn't take a chance in the draft this year. Everyone says it's not that great of a draft. You never know. You actually never truly know until you take a chance. Take a chance, and if you have a Josh Rosen situation, go back in in 2023, like you said. Like, that coach, if they hire a new coach and a new GM, they should have that flexibility to be able to do that if necessary. So there doesn't have to be – because, to your point, you're not paying this person a lot of money. You have – like – the reason the Wilfs have said no to the Vikings moving on from Kirk Cousins last offseason, the Vikings were getting calls. We heard it on the uh, uh, Score North today. They were talking about it. The Wilfs were getting the, the Vikings were getting calls last offseason for Kirk Cousins. The Wilfs said no because they didn't want to. They didn't have the opportunity to start over at the time because the Wilfs weren't like, "Well, Zim and Rick, I'm, we're just going to give you guys another chance to to start over. We're not doing that. We're ready to go all in now." But like. If you're willing to take that step back and you don't have to pay that like a, a ridiculous amount of money to get off of them, then you have that flexibility to make multiple QB position moves and maybe you turn the guy that you draft this year into a future pick later. And like there's all kinds of opportunities. Like you said, Eric, if you have players at the position, it provides value, whether they're good or not. Sometimes it's in the eye of the beholder. There it is. Yeah. We've got through well, everything. The, We've got through the agenda. Here's the biggest. Here's the thing. I, I just want to really quickly say what Miles said. Miles said something very interesting at the end. There, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and I think that's the biggest thing. Open yourself up. If you have dealt with the last four years of the cousins uh, of the cousins Vikings, and you and you're satisfied with that. You're going to be okay with the next four years of a not cousins Vikings because your bar is evidently extremely low. Yep. So, like, embrace the mystery, folks. I love it. I feel like we've addressed most everything that I'm seeing here in the comments. Embrace the mystery. That might need to be the slogan for the offseason for the Vikings because the certainty, I mean, at this point, we have a level of certainty. We know it's not good. And yes, there is a low probability chance that like something could happen and we get a Joe Flacco season or off season or an Eli Manning type off season. But like we can't even get to the off season. So like how are we I mean, postseason. So how are we going to have any of those things if, you know, the majority of the time we're here, 
And it's not like Kirk is a rookie or an unknown commodity. This is the thing that we have seen with him throughout his entire career. So, like, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Our hope is that somebody else looks at all those beautiful 4,000-yard seasons and is like, hey, I can fix him. Or my offense, my system, where I'm at is actually in a place where I am a quarterback away. Maybe there is a team like that. It wasn't us, but maybe there is someone else. Because Kirk is a good quarterback, and maybe he can go have success somewhere else. But Kirk, Zim, Rick, I wish them all the best. I just wish it happened someplace that's not Minnesota. Eric, I heard your alarm go. So we are going to go ahead and wrap this thing on up to give yourself a little bit of time to stretch the legs before the next thing. Uh, As always, everyone in the comments, we love all of y'all, all all the viewers, all the listeners. Thanks for coming through. Thanks for rocking with us. If you haven't already, like, subscribe, hit the bell. If you have, go tell a friend. Tell them to do likewise. All the folks on Facebook chilling with us right now, much love to all of you. Love hanging out. Love the comments. Our boy who came through from Australia, we love it. Thanks for coming on. And uh, that's it. That's all I got. Dave, where you at? Come on in. Talk Thanks, to the everyone. Folks. Tell them what's coming up. See you guys. Hey, tomorrow night, we should have Vikings Happy Hour. Don't know what's going on yet. Haven't heard from the boys. So, stay tuned. But tomorrow, Jason and I should do another uh, Vikings Daily Sit Rep. Curious what we're going to be talking about. Hmm. Tune in and find out. It's called a tease in the business. But that's it. That's all. Thanks for coming out, everyone. And uh, that's it, Dave. Play the music. Let's go! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And if you're listening on your favorite aggregator, make sure you rate us. And always feel free to join the conversation here at Climb in the Pocket. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.